Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Philip Stutz, the founder and CEO of WinBid Media, a corporate marketing agency and founder and executive chairman of Go Big Media, a political marketing ad firm. Philip has contributed to 1,407 election victories, including three US president victories and working with multiple Fortune 200 companies. Philip plays the game of political and corporate marketing on the highest level, battling it out with fierce competition, multi-billion dollar budgets, and a win or die mentality. Philip's spoken in front of 50 plus million people in his career. He's represented by Vayner Speakers, which is Gary Vaynerchuk's speaker bureau, and Kepler Speakers, the largest speakers bureau in the US. And he's made more than 350 national media appearances, including ESPN, CBS, Fox News, Fox Business, MSNBC, and CNN. Welcome to the show, Philip. Super excited to have you on, my friend. And I'm super pumped as well. What's going on? Uh, so we had a bit of a chat uh, pre-show. You said that you're, you know, you're in Florida, and uh, it's a little bit different than what's going on here in New Zealand. But maybe it's not uh, for for the show. But I'd love for you to t- tell us a bit more about yourself, your backstory. Uh, you, you're you're into some interesting things. Well, real quick, you're not going to go to jail for just saying that, are you? Uh, I'm going to say no. But I feel like <laughs> the, the bigger you get, the more people like to make a point. Of <laughs> Um, yeah, man. No, I appreciate that. Listen, I, I, you know, I guess our interview can go in a hundred different directions because of uh, my background in politics, my business and marketing, my uh, moonshot to cure an incurable, or what doctors say is an incurable disease. And yeah, I, you tell me, I'll jump in on the background, but which part of it would you like me to go? Well, I'm, I'm actually really interested in, in, in what that is, um, but I'd love to know. I'd love to know a bit about that. I'd love to know a bit about uh, how you got into the the political yeah uh, marketing side of things because i think that i think it's just interesting like we don't maybe talk about it. i don't think people like this idea of political marketing but i feel like we have to realize that we are always marketing ourselves for something sure. um and i'm really interested in in, in how that stuff works because you you know the the backstory i've got of you is that you had three president victories as well yeah well you know listen when um if you open up the the inside cover to my book with the on the jacket inside cover it's the first line is you hate politicians i get it right like i I had to like jump in and really define it very quickly on that front because frankly everybody hates politicians uh i don't you know probably even more so during the the covid lockdowns um and everything that's going on in the world but um, but what if I, you know, told you that there was a secret formula that they used to market themselves to get elected, that if you used it as a business owner, the secret formula, you would have results 
that were exponential, that your business would grow to levels that had never grown before. And you would eliminate all the risk in your marketing because as most business owners know, the marketing game is like, it's 100% uh, rigged against the business owner. And the, the, the people that always win are the social media platforms, um, big marketing agencies that tell business owners where to spend their money, even if it doesn't help the business owner. I, I can go into a thousand different ways that the business owner is being screwed over in, mark, in, in the marketing world right now. And really, that's what my two books have been really aimed at doing is shedding the light ethically on what's going on with marketing. And then I just said, well, I can't just be the guy that bitches about the problem. I have to be the guy that gives the solution to the problem. So I wrote the second book. It's called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents. And every company that my corporate marketing agency has worked with that has followed this particular systematic approach to marketing has grown their business. And it's simple. It's a, a risk elimination method, and ultimately, it creates exponential results. And I can go into many case studies and many examples of how we've done that. But ultimately, it all started because I've spent 25, well, almost 26 years working on political campaigns. Um, yes, you're right, James. I've been a part of uh, three winning presidential races. I've also been a part of five losing presidential campaigns. So I've been a part of eight total presidential campaigns. And so, and then we've got 2024 coming up, which I'm sure will be involved in some way, form or fashion um, in the US. And so, you know, ultimately there was um, what I do in my book and what I do in my practice is I point out how this systematic approach to marketing came about in politics how it was revolutionized in 2004 and then utilized from 2008 till 2020 for election victories in presidential races, United States Senate races, United States governors and congressional races. And then how that formula, which had never been identified before, before I, <laughs> I sat down and kind of mapped it out, but how now businesses from Fortune 200 companies to startups to small business owners are utilizing the formula and having exponential results in their marketing. So you, you've got to you've got to give us some juice. Give give me an idea. What are, what are we talking here? Because there's a lot of theories around marketing, but I feel like until you've spent the kind of money that you would have spent on some of these things and the expectations that you would have been put on you to make stuff happen, it 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 very much remains this fantastical theory that marketing agencies talk about. I've got the strategy. Got the strategy, but when rubber has to meet the road like it has uh, with with some of the people that you work with you've got to be able to produce you can't just say some stuff mm -hmm. so what what's the fundamentals of this like is it is it all to do with you know some kind of manipulative messaging is it to do with knowing who my audience is it is it to do with where i'm putting my ads because a lot of people get confused with this stuff they have no idea of what actually makes it work and they like you said yeah. spend money on platforms Right. It's, it's kind of all of those things, but not manipulative marketing. I, I call it uh, empathetic marketing because you understand your audience. But let me give you two, two real quick stories on why, how the marketing industry is rigged against business owners to make sure they always lose no matter what. Now, they may win sometimes, right? It's kind of like going to a casino. I don't know if you have casinos in New Zealand, but obviously in Florida, we have casinos. Uh, there, there are casinos all over the United States. And if you go to the casino, you're hoping if you gamble, you're going to win. But more often than not, you're going to lose. And the people that always win, regardless, is the house, 
right? In the house of the big tech companies, the big social media platforms, the people you have to put your dollars into, they know the system and they're going to make sure that they get their money no matter what. If you don't grow your business, screw that, doesn't matter. So what do I mean by that? So the two stories I'll tell you, we work with a national uh, background check company. So like uh, fast food industry hires a lot of labor and they need to have background checks to hire these people because they don't want to hire criminals and all that kind of stuff. And so they came to us and said, hey, we want to, we want you know, you guys to help us. Well, one of the things we do is we audit what they're already doing to make sure that they're not spending money um, erroneously or in, in bad places. And when we went and audited the company, we found out their Google keyword searches that they had put in place for three years and just put on autopilot by a marketing agency. That Google two years ago had changed some of the rules and some of the algorithm, and they did alert the company and the marketing agency they work with. But they send some you know email with a lot of text in it, and somebody just decided not to read it. Well, for two years, this particular company has been spending ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month on their keywords, except they've been bidding against themselves, and they didn't even know it. And so, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month for twenty-four straight months that they had been bidding against their own keywords and upping the price of the ads and the words, uh, all because they didn't know that the rules had changed and Google had just sent an email and that was it, right? The other is a little bit more on the nefarious side of the marketing industry. There, We work with a a company. Have you ever heard of the show Shark Tank? Yeah. Okay, so it's a Shark Tank company. It's a product that was on Shark Tank. And we did some work for them. And, and we'll get into how we start our undefeated marketing system. It's all in a deep dive in data. And we can get into that because it's super interesting. But we were looking at their customer data and we realized that Facebook, and I can tell you why specifically in a minute, but just for the sake of brevity of the story, let me kind of give you the, the whole point, which is we looked in their data and we found out that Facebook was basically their fourth best social media platform they should be advertising on, except they were spending 90% of their dollars on Facebook. And why were they spending 90% of their dollars on Facebook? Because they had hired a marketing agency that does nothing but Facebook. But what I told them, what if I could tell you that that Facebook marketing agency is going to tell you to spend money on Facebook regardless of whether your customers are there or not? That's the rule. <laughs> They're in business to make money on Facebook. So if people aren't using Facebook or aren't buying things on Facebook, they're not going to tell you that. And they're going to continue to get you to spend money and they're going to continue to get you to waste money. And so what I'm trying to do is eliminate that. I'm screen agnostic. The only advocacy I have is for the customer and in the system. And when I know what the customer thinks, and when I know what moves the customer to buy things, and when I know what's going to get it convert them, and when I know the values of their life, and when I know the social media platforms they're going on in a chronological order, I can then devise a marketing plan that tells the company and the business we're going to market exactly where to go, exactly where to spend their money, and exactly how to allocate their dollars so they're more effective in what they do. And I do that because I have a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. And in our database, we have 240 million Americans. It's only Americans. European data is almost impossible to try to get a hold of, but this is an American database. We have 240 million Americans, 550 million connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion with a B, 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day. And we're tracking a trillion searches. 
And so I literally could tell you anything and everything you've ever wanted to know about your customer. Why wouldn't you want to know that before you went out and spent a bunch of money on some people who arbitrarily told you where to put your marketing dollars? And that's the problem I'm trying to solve. And so again, I can walk through the steps. I'm not trying to keep it secret. I can give you examples and stories. I can do it in politics and corporate America, but I, I want to make sure I'm on, on, you know, staying focused for you too, James. So tell me if that makes sense and and like yeah. what other follow-ups you well, have on that. I'm, I'm really interested to, to know uh, how that works with, with politics. Like f- for example, for us, I work with, with practice owners and we want to give them things that are very simple and easy to get a result with that everybody else is getting a result with that they can prove that there's an ROI on because most of them not marketing savvy and just want to make sure that something works with very small budgets. And so it's sometimes obvious. I've got back pain and so you say, so you want to see a chiropractor and the person said, yeah. And then they sign up and the ROI is huge because the cost to acquire a customer is low and the lifetime value is high. But in terms of something less tangible like purchases or services where you can just make up for your lack of marketing skill by having a really good retention of a client. In politics, you're trying to get ideas across. So you're trying to be getting people to go and vote. Because I know that, it, it, well, I think it's everywhere, but especially in America, right? Like most people don't vote. And those who do are swayed into a particular direction. And so there's there's games that, and when I say games, you know what I mean, right? Like, but there's, there's games that are played around the audiences to try and get certain votes for certain subgroups. Like they talk about you know, different ethnic groups for who's going to get their vote. It's always really interesting watching the American politics stuff. It's very different uh, than in New Zealand. So let's talk about that. How do you, how does that even work? Are you? Are so you- I'll, I'll tell you how it works on the political side. But I'll also, after I'm done with that, if you want, I'll tell you how it works on the chiropractic side. Because I'll walk through the exact same process in a very different way and, how, yeah. and then show people that are listening how they can apply it. Does that work? Right. Yeah, Great. Yeah, sure. So in politics, it works like this. So I sit down, let's say a guy wants to run for the United States Senate in the United States for the state of Florida, right? And I sit down with that politician and I ask him, what issues do you want to run on? What issues are you really passionate about? And ultimately, the politician gives me like 10, 15, 20, sometimes 25 different issues that they want to run on, okay? And and then I inevitably look at them and say, man, I love that. You care about these 20 things, but the politicians don't have that much space in their brain to, to pay attention to 20 things. They have enough you know, space in their brain to pay attention to one or two things. So how do we simplify that? I don't tell the politician, you need to figure out what the voters care about, and then that's what you need to run on. I ask the politician, what does he or she care about And then I go out and I conduct surveys. I look at um, uh, consumer data. I match and model all that stuff. It's very complicated. But I come back to the politician and I say, here are the top of your 20 issues you gave me that you want to run on. Here are the top three. We know these top three issues. If If the voter doesn't know who you are or they're agnostic, they don't really care about you, or they're from another party, these three issues will get you to election victory if you run on them. And you're not going to run on anything else. Those other 17 issues, maybe if someone asks you a question, you can answer them. But there's never going to be, our branding isn't going to be about those 17 issues. It's all going to be on those three issues. You already are passionate about them, one. And then two, your voters care about them more than anything else. Why would you run on anything else? And if you're a business owner out there, that's a metaphor, right? You know, here, here's an example. I, everybody loves their founder story. Hey, I, I, you know, you have a founder story too, right, James? What if you knew 
that your audience that you want to buy from you only cared about 25% of your founder story and the other 75% didn't resonate at all with them, would you continue to repeat it? Or would you take the 25 that they really care about and you would make that even stronger? And that's what we're trying to do for politicians. And so for us, we do that. And then the second thing we do is we map out a strategic uh, plan, a campaign plan for them. Because you don't want to go market a bunch of tactics that don't feed into a larger strategy. You mentioned strategy earlier. We look at strategy as the part two. Once you know what the voter thinks and what the politician thinks, then you marry those into a plan, a cohesive plan. The third thing we do is we build the brand for the politician around those one, two, or three policy issues. That's it, right? So when I say the brand, I'm building the website, I'm creating uh, videos, I'm doing all these things for them. I don't want to spend an ad dollar of my politician, my client's money until I build a brand that when the voter comes to that brand, it goes, those people speak, that that politician speaks to me. Why would I spend a dollar before I did the data, put a plan together, and then get the brand right? Why would I spend a marketing dollar? I'd be insane to do this until my brand is on point. The fourth thing we do is now we know those three issues. We're going to try to test a hundred different messages within those three issues. So for example, in the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump would run one message, an ad on one message, 162 different versions of it. Why? He was testing it out. His team was. He would do a red background on an ad, a white background, a blue background, a woman in the ad, a man in the ad, different font sizes, the fonts in the right corner, the left corner. They would make motion graphics, still graphics. They did 162 different test ideas on one message. And ultimately, they found eight to 10 of those test messages blew through the roof. And they couldn't tell you why. They didn't know why that the green background with the weird font and the you know Hispanic woman and the white man in the ad, why did those work the best amongst all the voters? They didn't know, but they knew it worked. And it was a test within the data they already knew would work. It's just optimizing the testing process, not arbitrarily saying, let's test a few messages to see what works best. So then once you know exactly what message is going to convert for the voter, now you go to step five and what we call the NFA marketing system, you launch the campaign. Like now you go spend money. And then from that point on, and you optimize performance every single week going forward. That's the formula in a nutshell, right? When it comes to businesses, let's talk, I just said this, let's talk about the chiropractic industry. I'm pretty familiar with it. We've done a lot of work with the chiropractic industry. You say, hey, people want back pain. They just go, go, go back, back pain and they find their chiropractor. Wish it was that simple. It is in the sense of, you know, yeah, People are looking for the chiropractor. But we, you know, I'll give you a very comparative industry in that regard. We do a lot of work in the pest control industry. No one goes to the website of a pest control company because they're just browsing around the internet and they go, you know what? I wonder what Bob's pest control is up to today. Like, no, no. The only reason they go to a pest control website is because what? They want their bugs dead. That's it right? Just like in the chiropractic industry, I've got a, my back is killing me. I need help. Now they're going to Google chiropractor or in this case, pest control company, right? And if you're, 
you know, your AdWords is on point, you're going to be in the top three. Your SEO is on point, you're going to be in the top three of that search, right? Because the customer is only going to look at one, two, maybe three websites to make a comparison. Now, what's the difference that makes the difference between you and everybody else? And that's what I'm obsessed with. So like with the pest control industry, we found certain, uh, and again, I write about all these stories specifically in the in my book, but we found certain characteristics and demographics within the target market that they wanted to see out of a pest control company. They wanted to know that they were green products. They wanted to, they, they did not want discounts. They wanted bundle services because they had money and they wanted to look smart in their purchase. But the other thing we found, and this is very applicable to the, to the um, chiropractic industry, they wanted five-star reviews. So with this pest control company, the first marketing campaign we ever ran for them had nothing to do with any conversions whatsoever. And it made them more money than anything they've ever run in the history of their uh, company. This is a national pest control company. They've been around 37 years and it's the most successful marketing campaign they ever ran. And the first step in that didn't get them a single customer. And that was, we went back to their old customers and we got as many five-star reviews as possible. How many did we get? Well, this was a big company, right? So we got 50,000. It costs a lot of money. They spent a lot of money on it. I'm not saying a chiropractor that's in some small town in, in you know, Georgia is going to get 50,000, but they need to get something because here's what happens. The customer is going to go look and they've got three pest control companies or chiropractors that they're going to look at and judge. One Let's just say the pest control. One is Bob's Pest Control. It has seven five-star reviews. Now, we now know that 60% of that particular market is female, and women are going to invite the pest control company into your house. Are women going to feel safe with some stranger walking into their home, right? So we knew that from the data, that safety was so important. So good. So what were we going to do? Well, one, you know, let's, again, in you know this in some small town in Georgia, one pest control company has seven five star reviews. One has a hundred, and one has fifty thousand five star reviews. Right? Who are you bringing into your home? Chiropractor, you're not going into their home, but they're coming into yours. You're touching their body. Who are they going to feel safe with? The chiropractor that's got a couple one star reviews? I don't think so. Or the chiropractor that cause that has you know. 100, 200, 500 five-star reviews. That's the difference that makes the difference. It's not, right? I always tell people, they, they're coming to you because they have a specific reason. You said that just a second ago, James, right? They've got back pain. Good, right? Now, what's the difference that makes the difference that gets them to call your business? And that's the key to what we're trying to figure out within this undefeated marketing system we do. I like that, that, because we don't often think to actually just ask people, right? You found out safety, five stars. You said they didn't want a discount. They wanted a bundle. Knowing your audience is so important because those are the nuances that make the difference, like you said, to get a result. And this is where, especially, I think, small business, I guess everybody, I wouldn't know necessarily with, with massive business, but I know that, for example, with my clients, we get stuck with, you know, we can technically help, you know, not maybe not everybody, but everybody. And so we feel like if we, if we get specific on those issues, like you said with the politician, right? My audience, my people, they care about these 20 issues. And it's like, I know they might do a little bit, Dave, but they can't focus on all 20 at the same time. 
And so picking the ones to campaign on, so to speak, and it, it, it applies literally to, to business. What, what are you campaigning on? It is, it's called an ad campaign, a marketing campaign. What are you campaigning on? Uh, and then how are you setting yourself up to be different, not for the sake of being different? And that's a point I want to make. It's like a lot of people go, I'm going to be different. I would say without losing context here, like you don't, you, you're not trying to be different. You're trying to just speak more clearly to what they're listening for that would make them want to come and see you. Is that is that how you'd articulate it? Or is it yeah, different? I mean, for us, again, we are tracking their online movements. We can see what they buy, what they search for. We can tell you everything you want ever wanted to know about your customer. Not specifically, like I wouldn't know James, you know, this is what you search for today. You know, I can group a list of your customers. It has to be, there's a lot of way we, a lot of different ways we skin that cat, but we can group your customers together. We can, we can put a pixel on your website. So anybody that comes to your website, then we track them. And then I can tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about them. So yeah, I love the fact that you can ask them. That's another data point that you should absolutely do. There's, you know, when you have the money, there's much more sophisticated ways to do it in ways that think about this. It's not, do I have the data? It's, does my competition have anything like this? And if they don't, then are you going to take advantage of that opportunity? It doesn't mean my, what I do, my system, but you, that's the whole point, right? It's not about who has the data, but who, has it, who doesn't have the data. And if you're the one who has it and your competition doesn't, you're going to grow exponentially in your marketplace. Yeah, 100%. So uh, let's talk a little bit about data then. There was some, some issues a while back around... What was it uh, Oxford? Was it Oxford Analytica or something like no, that? No, Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can tell you all, all anything Facebook you want about data. that. I'd, I'd love to talk about that. I, I'm someone who feels like I'd rather see advertising for things that are relevant to me because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to look at stuff that I don't care about. And number two, I think a lot of people don't get how the platforms work and that they're not necessarily, and you'll obviously know a bit more, so I'd love to, you know, you'd correct me on this, but my feeling is that platforms are not there to, show you stuff and sway you. They're there to give you what you want so you stay there for longer. So for example, I was on Facebook and I was looking at videos and I said, let me test this. And I started only watching videos related to fish and whales and stuff like that. And sure enough, I started seeing more of them, but Facebook would show, would show me other ones to in case I was interested. And if I kept ignoring them, it got more specific, but it still kept showing me other ones here and there to test what I was interested in. Because my assumption being... They want me to stay there as long as possible and not leave the platform because then they can keep advertising to me. So I think that people get, you know, they get upset by what they're seeing and they forget that. Like I get this all the time. People comment on ads and I'm like, dude, stop commenting on these ads and you'll stop seeing these ads. Like you're, you're, you're enabling Facebook to show them to you by you interacting with it. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, the, there's a Netflix documentary on it and basically... Um, the story is that they took data from Facebook and targeted voters that helped Donald Trump. And then there was this big congressional inquiry in the U.S. And then there was a Netflix documentary on it and all that stuff. And I get asked about it all the time. Well, Cambridge Analytica walked into my office in Washington, D.C. three different times between 2013 and 2015. And every single time we kicked them out of our office and told them, what you're talking about is laughable. It's not true. And we didn't believe them. And uh, I had multiple friends that worked at Cambridge Analytica. And they said the whole thing was a fraud, that they couldn't do anything that they said they could do. And what 
that face got Facebook in trouble, what the documentary is all about is a complete and utter lie. So that is one side of the story you never hear, but I'm talking about people that work there that told me those. Second of all, the data that they had is the same data anybody has. I have the same data that Cambridge Analytica has. It's no different. Like what they did was not different. They were just promising that they were doing even more and that was a lie. And then the media, because they believe in narrative and they want something to make Donald, they'll do anything to, to you know, make Donald Trump look bad. I'm, again, this isn't a partisan position, but the mainstream media was ob- obviously was set out against Trump. And so they just said, oh, this helped the Russians. It helped, uh, it helped Donald Trump win an election. It didn't. It didn't have anything to do with that. This was a fraudulent platform. So that's one thing. Second, it, the, to go back to sort of how the logarithms work. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that you describe that accurately and perfectly. They want to keep you on the platform. They want to deliver the things that you like, and they want to keep you there as long as possible. And they're, in theory, that's a good thing. And in practice, it becomes a very bad thing because it takes you down rabbit holes, like you just said. And you, looking at fish and whales, doesn't take you down bad rabbit holes, but it can take you down bad rabbit holes from you know things that are illegal, uh, things that create division and fighting. And I think part of the reason that we are set up in this country um, to have some something really bad happen in the future in the f- sense that we are pitted against each other in the U.S. like never before. And in massive, uh, you know, in large regard to the social, social media platforms that created these logarithms. So in theory, I'm not opposed to people delivering content I want to see. In practice, uh, it's much more nefarious in the way that they're acting and it's caused a lot of problems and could be the destruction of our society in the next 10 years. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, there's, there's concepts around like groupthink, right? If you're hanging out with a bunch of people and they all think the same things, you, you tend to get more and more extreme views coming out uh, as everybody feeds off of each other. And until you sure. have an external stimulus to provide a difference of opinion uh, to shift the conversation, it can just go really deep. So I, I guess... With- yeah, this is this is the definition of, of wokeness and woke culture. It's literally the definition is that they just, you know, they only listen to themselves and no one's ever allowed to have another opinion that doesn't jive with what they care about. Mm. And I guess the platforms feed that because if... If, uh, if they're showing you more of the stuff because you're consuming it and they're just giving you more of what you want to consume, uh, uh, y- you can get trapped down the hole if you're not willing to actually go, okay, well, what if I looked at anything else? And I think most people don't have the, you know, without judging, I, I think that most people don't have the capacity to be able to consider maybe I should look at alternatives. Like whenever I hear yeah. something and it's plausible, I immediately Google it and try and find counter arguments. And then I weigh them against them to be like, you're, the, this you're, you're a rare breed, James. Yeah. I wish there were more people like that out there. Because I, I hate the idea of making a decision without her- hearing anything else because there is always another opinion. Um, yeah. And as a business owner, you're going to go out of business if you don't do that. Mm. But they haven't set up the political systems that way with the, with the social platforms. That's not what they're doing. They're, they're intentionally not giving you other views, which fuels, puts fuel to the fire on both sides of the aisle, not just one. How much do you, do you subscribe to the idea? I assume you, you would have thought about it, but, but maybe not around how mainstream media is kind of dying 
uh, with social media platforms being around and people getting their news, you know, person to person, uh, that there is a lot more sensationalizing of news to get people to go to and, and to look at mainstream media outlets, et cetera. Because I've noticed, for example, that most of them you go to now, you can't watch a lot of their content unless you subscribe because they've got no other way of generating revenue. So they have to get, they have to make it so that you want, would be willing to pay for it to consume it. Do you think that is leading to, have you seen that? Or do you think it will in the future? Yeah, so I don't even think it's called mainstream media. It's just corporate media. I mean, they're not mainstream anymore. They're really not. They've lost the war. And they lost the war probably 10 years ago when the social media platforms came out, when they, they weren't in control anymore right? They, they're acting like they are still in control, but really they're just the corporate media. I mean, there's a, there's a great cut up that came out recently that literally Pfizer is sponsoring almost every corporate media, um, you know, channel right now. So, you know, ABC and CNN and like they have segments that are sponsored by Pfizer, right? And Pfizer created one of the vaccines, right? And then Pfizer's creating boosters and then they're sponsoring the news now. So, you know, this is corporate media, not mainstream media. And I don't even know if mainstream media even exists anymore. You know, I mean, what you're seeing is people go, okay, I don't trust anything on the corporate media side, but I can go to uh, Joe Rogan or I can go to a Brett Weinstein, or I can go to Matt Taibbi, and I'm going to learn, I'm going to subscribe and pay them money, not the corporate media money. You know, I'm not going to consume their content anymore. And then I'm going to go figure out what they have to say, and then I'm going to form my own opinions. They're going to listen to both sides, and that's happening more and more. Does the corporate media, uh, do they still have an audience? Absolutely, they do. They absolutely have an audience. But it has dwindled precipitously for 10, 12 years now. And it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Some of the, you know, like CNN has some of the lowest ranks in the history of their company right now. And that's because no one trusts them. They're all one-sided. They're being sponsored by, I mean, it's so funny. And, and when I was coming up 20 years ago, Republicans were the corporate, like in bed with corporate America. Now, Republicans are not in bed with corporate America. It's Democrats that are in bed with corporate America. And it's just wild to see this crazy shift. What you saw in the 2020 election was, I mean, think about this. It's a weird coalition. But African-Americans voted uh, more for Donald Trump than any Republican in history. Uh, Hispanics voted for Donald Trump more than any Republican in history. And working white Americans, the working class white Americans voted for Donald Trump than any Republican in history. These are not coalitions that Republicans have typically relied on. They've relied on upper income white America. By the way, upper income white America has now shifted over to the Democrats. So these weird coalitions are all coming together right now. And we are seeing a, an atomic bomb on the political system in America. I don't know if it's a Good thing. I mean, it's a, I think where we are right now, things need to blow up, but I think it's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a really painful moment in this country in America over the next five or 10 years. I don't know what it is right now, but it's coming. Something bad is coming, whether that is a civil war, whether that is states seceding um, or something to that effect, but we're not, we're not going in a good direction. And a lot of different weird coalitions are merging together that we've never seen before on both the left and the right. 
I suppose when <clears throat> when we're looking at you know the the I, I call it mainstream, but you know you correct me with corporate news and things like that. People would look at it and think, okay, this is the source of the news. Like you ask your grandparents, and they would you know read the newspaper and 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 trust it. And now with social media, and we're hearing things and seeing things, and people get <laughs> less trusting. There's this. Uh, this this breakdown in, 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 a, in a hierarchy of where you get your information from. I feel like before it was an illusion that we all subscribe to is that's where you got the news and it was it was real. And there might have arguably been more truth to it than there was now as people have to fight to get attention and so they sensationalize a bit more. Um, but where do we go from here in terms of, of of what information we trust and how do you think how do you think that's going to evolve into the future? Because it's not like we could necessarily trust what was being told to us before, but we kind of just accepted it to be true because it was the news. But it's now just broken down more and more. And now you've got influences coming out that people listen to, yeah. Joe Rogan, for example. Yeah, what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I, I think if you look at the political system, you've seen that over the last 30 years, there's never been an improvement in the political environment. It's continued to deteriorate every single two years. So where people are finding their news and they're believing what they want to believe, right? We just did a survey in our data. We did a national survey in our database around who you trusted to learn about and then, you know, uh, the vaccine, right? And the media polled at 3.4%. That's that's the believability rate. Politicians were like at 3.2%. Number one was your personal doctor. It was 55%. Even Dr. Fauci was 33%. 33. 67% of America does not trust what he says right now. Now, 33%, that, that's, that's their Jesus. They, they're religious to him, right? And so when you look at this, there is just a level of distrust. People, you know, this is really interesting. I'm going to go back to the corporate talk for a second because I think it's it's really interesting. We are seeing right now in our data um, that Facebook is becoming less of a platform for conversions and more of a branding platform. People are on Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. I'm not taking away from that. But they're not buying on Facebook. They're not converting on Facebook at levels. Literally, it's a precipitous drop in all the data we're seeing. Why is that? Well, one, there was this iOS privacy update. But two, there's so many divisions in the political world right now. And people honestly think, if I buy this product, is my data going to get leaked? And then am I going to get canceled? You know what? I don't trust Facebook. I don't feel safe. Going back to safety again, I don't feel safe. I'm not going to buy from them. Now, they're moving into other platforms like Pinterest. And they're moving into audio platforms. So that's good news for people like you and me with podcasts because we're going to be able to advertise on those podcasts because that's where uh, the ear, you know, not, we used to say the eyeballs, but in this case, the ear, eardrums, that's where they're going. And I just think it's super interesting. And so you're right. I don't know. People aren't trusting anything anymore. They're still on Facebook. They're still scrolling, but they ain't buying. And you're already see, starting to see a little bit on this on YouTube as well people, we're seeing a massive drop in Facebook and YouTube on conversion advertising. And so we've redirected a lot of our clients to look at Facebook and YouTube as a branding platform, not a conversion platform. But I think that's a, that's a story that goes back to your question is where are people getting their news. 
And I think people are just saying, you know what, I'm going to have a few trusted sources and that's it. And I'm not giving my attention to anything else when it comes to you know news or vaccines or anything else that's going on in America right now. Because most, most of us can't, we, we can't process the data. We don't know how to analyze things and make critical decision. And so at some point we just have to pick and, 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 and accept where are we getting our news from? So that I feel like over the, the next period, we're going to see people, like you said, just shutting off and, and holding up shop and go, this is where I get my, my sources from. And then as things calm down, they'll open back up and out. I feel like as, as in politics definitely needs to shift, but I feel like as business owners, we need to understand how people are making decisions these days and focusing right. on longer term relationship building. Like you said with Facebook, right? If you're going, hey, buy this thing, it doesn't work because they don't trust Facebook. They don't trust you. They don't trust anybody. So instead, what if we just gave value uh, and built relationships branded, if you will, and then took them off platform to make decisions like that would, would probably be more effective, wouldn't you say? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to change tact here a little bit while we uh, sort of start to finish up. I want to know a bit more about your book. I want to know where more people can connect with you uh, as well. And yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, so you can go to philipstutz.com. I'm sure you'll spell it out in the show notes. Uh, it's just my name. Uh, philipstutz.com. Uh, there uh, you can find, you can subscribe. We have a bi-weekly blog we put out on marketing and data so that people can get smarter in their own business. It's free. I have a podcast uh, called the Undefeated Marketing Podcast. Obviously, it's free. Um, and the book called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula to Lex Presidents. It is on Amazon. And it also, you know, it's eight bucks. So you can get all three of those things for about eight bucks. Uh, I have a, my first book is called Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell. And that also is on Amazon. I always ask my guests, uh, and we have a little bit of a weird transition here because we went deep on different things, which I loved, by the way. But I always ask my guests two questions because I think it's important to, to learn from people who are uh, doing big and interesting things, how they think about stuff. So the first question is, what's something you wish more people understood? Failure is just feedback. That was a big shift that happened for me that accelerated my, you know, quote unquote success uh, emotionally more than anything. Yeah. It was understanding that too many people, I think they, they have a failure and so they quit because they think, I guess it's not going to work versus learning right. from it. And really all failure, whether it's in the decisions you make in your business or the actions or reactions you give in your life, it all comes back to the trauma that you've had in your life. And I mean, we've all have trauma. I'm sorry. If you don't think you do, you're wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, I've done probably about 2000 hours worth of psychological work on myself over the last eight years from psychedelic therapies to therapists, to conferences on this. And um, I now know that every time I act out or yell at somebody or be frustrated on something, it comes back to where my trauma exists and how I have not processed that trauma. And in a way, that's what failure is. Like if you fail in the way you react to somebody's somebody that says something negative about you or doesn't do what you need them to do or, or you make a decision that doesn't work, how you rise up from that feedback, right? The feedback is, oh, is this from my trauma? Or did I just make a mistake? 
right? Or what do I need to learn from this so I can grow, right? And ultimately, your life will be as valuable as you value growth. The more you allow yourself to grow out of the who you are now and into something else, you'll have a much more purpose-driven life. So let me ask you then, what's the most important thing you ever learned? Considering what oh, you've seen, but most, the most anything. important thing I ever learned was to love myself, which I'm 47 years old, James. And uh, up until I was 46, I did not love myself. And I've been on a journey for the last year. Um, I don't think I can be a husband. The husband I need to be, uh, I want to be. The father I want to be. The business leader I want to be. If I don't love myself first. And so it is the journey that I've been on uh, for a long time since I was about 39 years old. But in the last year, I've realized that, that it all comes down to loving yourself. And that's not an egotistical thing. It's just loving the things that are bad about me, loving the things that are good about me, being okay with who I am, and then being able to be comfortable to love everybody else. Because I can't love my wife or my girl, my little, my little girl, unless I love myself first. I love that. This is this has been a a, a fun episode. We've we've gone all over the show with it, and and I hope that everybody found as much value from it as I did. I resonate with what you said massively. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm happy that I was able to find that for myself. You know, I'm only thirty, uh, but I found that you know a couple of years ago, and I'm glad I did. I, you know, I wish I had found it a hell of a lot earlier, and so. Mm. I'm, I'm, when I'm talking with my, with my boys, one of them's almost three, the other one's uh, almost one. It, it's all about exactly that. Uh, yeah. Failure and success and loving yourself. Um, whenever we're communicating with them, we're always trying to make them aware that, you know, their actions hurt somebody or did that thing, but it was not them uh, because too many of us are, are uh, you know, we, we are, we become attached to who we are as a person, whether we are, good or not based on what we achieve or don't achieve versus inherently being worthy. And I think that that's to the detriment to, to society, in my opinion. And so it's a big thing for me. It's a big thing to, to make sure I, I bring that onto my kids. So anybody listening to this, it can sometimes sound a bit flaky and, and Philip, you probably, you know what I mean by that? And then we, we then we realize it and we, we experience it and we go, you know what? It's, it's, it's everything. The only way you say that's flaky is if you're too insecure to look at yourself. Yeah. Which or you're too point, threatened. Right? Yeah. Right. Thanks yeah. So one, one last thing, if you're okay with it, you know, we yeah. did talk a lot about data. We do offer a free data evaluation. So anybody out there, if they want to know how our data works and how it would work to benefit their company, it's absolutely free. You go to philipstutz.com slash insights. And it's just, a, it takes you literally like 30 seconds to fill out a form. And then one of my team members will do a free call with you and tell you how your data would match up and look and if that's a good fit for you, that that is uh, available. I'm going to go and check that out. That's good. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Thank you so much, my friend. Speak soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode, so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business, we're doing topics on all things that you need to live 
a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.